Know Thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your hosts, Daniel and Eduardo, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. Alright, welcome to the Know Thyself Podcast. I'm here with Daniel. Hello. And I'm Eduardo. This episode, we're going to be, you know, sort of opening a new a new conversation that we're going to have from here until the third season and something that I've been wanting to talk about since the first season. But, you know, I'll say this from the, from the very beginning. I'm very novice. I don't know if that's the right word, um, but just like understanding the, these topics takes a really long time and i'm really thankful that for someone like you know daniel here who has had um you know a lot of time to interpret what we're going to be talking about today can sort of help me clarify a lot of um just a lot of information that's out there regarding today's topic and today's topic without having to keep you in suspense is the tarot and and so you know there's so much to the tarot and for those of you who are very familiar with the tarot and and the history of the tarot that's great. And, and just, you know, forgive me for, you know, being, um, kind of, I wouldn't even say new to it. And I've had my time with the tarot, but as we unfold all the different understandings and the aspects associated with this, with this beautiful interpretation and symbolism of, of occult, um, you know, history and knowledge, you know, um, today would be a good day to sort of open up just a, a, a fraction of what we're going to be, you know, covering throughout the podcast. And, and basically what we'll do today is, is a history of the tarot and an introduction to the tarot. Um, but not so much an introduction that, you know, what is the tarot? Because we've talked about it even on the podcast um, before, but more of a kind of like a grounded understanding of how we're going to approach these subjects. Because you know, for someone like myself, everything that I've I've looked into from even just like the phonetic meaning to, you know, um, 19th century psychoanalysts like Carl Jung to all the way back to the beginning of where you might find the history of the tarot. There's just so much to cover. Right. You know, and so we'll ease into it. Uh, but before we, you know, go down a list that I have written out on what we want to cover, we'll start with the very top. We'll start with the history. And uh, I'm really excited to get going, man. Cool. Great introduction. Was that man. good? Do you understand? That was Does fantastic. That, okay. No, I completely... I don't mean that in an insecure fashion. I just mean, God, it's so, it's so much, right? It's so much. And to be completely honest, everybody is always a beginner in tarot. It's the same thing as like when you talk to like a chess master about chess. A true chess master is just like, oh, I'm a beginner in chess. And it's this humbling aspect that allows for these ideas and these deeper meanings of the tarot to present itself. And again, this, we're going to kind of talk about this as a tool because the tarot is something as we kind of connect with it and see it in our lives there really is going to be this process of integrating all this information inside us. Right. And so the idea is to kind of move away from tarot. Tarot is not supposed to be a crutch. It's a tool for self-unfoldment and self-understanding. But it's it's not needed in the process, but it sure helps. Right. You know, again, there's this, there's this aspect in occultism that you need to be able to find truth and oneness, even locked in a jail cell, right? We can still find this inner understanding of the self. You know, I, I love that you're saying that. And, and just to just to kind of cut in, uh, there was a, an individual, and, and I don't know who it was, because again, I've covered so much through this and, and studying in the last week. But one of the things that I really appreciated from the understanding of the tarot, and correct me if I'm wrong with this interpretation, is in a simple fashion, is that how you feel based on a place and time has a correlation to a deeper meaning within you just by being there. Like for instance, a cemetery, you walk through a cemetery and there's a sort of somber and darkness and maybe a feeling of mourning, but it doesn't mean that the situation is actually occurring to you as in like you have just lost someone, but just being there has this internal like 
understanding of here I am and vice versa when you're in you know an awe of a, of a landscape you know you feel euphoric and you feel like there's this sort of like calling to something higher based on just this view there's also this internal feeling so I, I I've seen people kind of express with uh, a, a careful understanding of the tarot meaning like how you interpret these symbols how you interpret your understanding is really how it affects you and not just like this is the one way it's supposed to feel does that make sense yeah we could just end the episode (laughs) well i just it resonated with me but it's it's, specific to you that's how you have introduced a lot of things with regards to the tarot to me right is that you're never like hey this is what it is for fact it's just like hey this is if it's just how it's resonating with you, then mm-hmm. like, let's go down that rabbit hole. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. So is this about me? And you're like, it is about you, but it's about each of us. Right. And and to make a full circle, that's just how we interpret a lot of these symbols and the deeper meanings that unfold within, you know, hermeticism or, you know, uh, the, the occult sciences or anything that we've talked about is that that interpretation. So anyways, I just wanted to kind of say that and see if that made sense. A hundred percent. Okay, you're, good. You're, uh, you know what? And you know what? Before we even jump into the history, because the history we're just going to kind of, we're just going to tap into. Um, but before we even jump into this, the parameter of studying the tarot, you want to do exactly what you said, and you also want to study this as an occult science. Mm. And so you are going to, you're going to see different differing f- viewpoints on this okay and some books are going to say no study the tarot in isolation and Mm. some books are really going to push to study this in all of the occult sciences and so connecting it to the 22 hebrew letters connecting it to astrology right we have 22 cards in this major arcana that's the 10 planets and the 12 astrological signs. That's where we get 22, connecting it to the Kapala, seeing it in this unified aspect of occult sciences. This is going to be part of our study. This is going to be a textbook of the occult that always is going to fruit deeper lessons about our self-understanding and the, okay. and the understanding of how our internal self projects things into our environment. This The tarot is very much this mirror of the soul. And so we do, we want to approach, a, we want to approach tarot through this, this scientific, occult scientific lens and study its correspondences, study its connections. And we're going to look at that. But again, just like you were saying, you have to approach the tarot in its own isolated perspective as well. You have to isolate it from these occult sciences and have the personal connection with it. So you study it like the textbook of nature, but then you also treat it like an art gallery that you're walking through and you're experiencing. And if you think about it, at all art galleries, there usually is, you know, nowadays there's a little bit more of an explanation of the artist's inspiration, you know, and what they were using and what they're trying to say. But that's not the true aspect of what an art gallery should do it right. should it should inspire creativity within the individual you know it should pull this inner understanding that the artist is putting through form on the paper or the canvas and it should pull out internal insights of the self and the self will pull out the correspondences that it needs to see and so we're going to approach this like an esoteric occult science with connections to everything we said thus far like the kabbalah the hebrew alphabet astrology. We're going to make all these connections, even connecting it to the modern day playing cards, but we're going to also examine this in isolation, how it personally connects with us, how these cards, they help instruct us too that certain energies are made for certain times. Sometimes we're supposed to be assertive and sometimes we're supposed to surrender. Okay, but it's not a clear-cut formula of how we have to react. We don't always be assertive and we don't always surrender. And that's what this card does. That's what these cards do. It very much it very much puts this this landscape in front of us of our consciousness. And it really this tarot is going to act as a mirror to the inner self. And it's not going to ex- also explain the desires and the insights of the internal, but it's also going to explain its projection on this outside viewing point that we call that five sense reality. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, oh man, you know, you, this is completely, I wasn't even planning on talking about this and we will jump into the history, but I remember the first time I ever had uh, a reading, I was going to visit you in Australia. And I think we were in our, I think I was 20 and 
I remember thinking, oh man, <clears throat> there's so much going on. I'm, I'm going out there by myself to visit you. And I remember the interpretations that were laid out that night were all based on something that I, I wasn't aware of through the tarot card, meaning I thought it was going to give me all the answers I was looking for, but instead the answers were up to me to interpret and it had such a heavy weight on me because I didn't realize what was going on subconsciously in my mind, you know, until I saw certain symbols come up. And so I just remember that was like, I mean, that was years ago, but I just remember thinking like, oh, I thought this was going to give me everything I wanted to know. And instead it was just everything that was going on underneath the surface that I had to kind of sort of like go back and sort of interpret for myself um, with just myself. Like I'm looking at the person who was doing the reading going like, what do you think? And they're like, what do you think? And I'm like, wait, what? And so, um, you know, so any, anyways, I know there's many, many individuals out there who um, have had their hand with this and, and experience with this, but well, let's go ahead and start with like the history and what we can do like a little, you know, divide between the exoteric and the esoteric um, interpretations of the history, because, you know, you have your your 15th century Renaissance period that brings up, you know, the Italian um, historical, uh, uh, you know, the historical aspects that, that everybody should probably know about or understand regards to this being a game. And then the game that we know nowadays is like the modern deck of cards. And then, you know, then there's the, the deeper meanings that are kind of hidden out there with like the, the gypsies of the time that come with the information that goes all the way back to, you know, um, not just the, um, the book of Enoch and, uh, and Thoth, uh, but also, you know, those who knew how to interpret these symbols. And I think that, so there's, there's kind of like, there's a lot, right. There's just like sort of, which one do you want to kind of go down and, or what, what rabbit hole do you want to go down when it comes to understanding the history of this? So let's just start there. And yeah. Cool. Great. No, man. Perfect. Perfect. And, and you, you did a great job and we'll kind of get into the divination aspect of these cards later on. Um, but these cards are not destiny. They're just potentials. And that's something that we really need to understand. And that's something we need to understand about astrology, any kind of divination. And we'll break into this, but all divination is, is, is showing patterns in your life. And if you continue these patterns, it can tell you what you can foresee in your future. But at all moments, any kind of reading, whether, whether it's astrology, a tarot, if somebody's doing a tea reading for you, if somebody's actually going through the insides of an animal and reading what that reads to them, divination right. is just this understanding of patterns. And you at all points have the free will to change these patterns, destroy old ones and create new ones and change what the cards are dealt to you. Mm -hmm. Okay, so free will is always 50% in the occult. And one of the things that we're gonna really kind of break through is this fatalistic idea that kind of came from the age of Pisces, where your stars are destined and there's nothing you can do about it, the, the free will wasn't completely in its full manifestation. And that's what's kind of coming with this Aquarius. And it's this understanding, no, no, you need to learn what your star's makeup is so you can transmute that energy to make gold. Right. But the stars don't write your destiny. Um, you fulfill your destiny through free will decisions. And so at no point when we're talking about that divination do we ever want to say what the cards say is in solid gold? And they're always just guides, but they're not instructors. And that's another thing that we kind of we kind of want to look at. And so you brought up a really good point of where do these come from? And we really don't know. This is this is just to be completely honest. There's going to be uh like your exoteric historical understanding of this, right. right? And this is in the 15th century Italian decks that we saw were made for families that were these hand-painted 78 cards um, that kind of illustrated this journey of the fool that we're kind of getting into. And it had the major arcana and the minor arcana. Um, but there's this, there's this depthness to this. There's this depthness to this understanding. And so what this is talking about is this information is very old. And what we're doing is we've, we've kind of found remnants of some deep history 
and some really deep information. And we're kind of still piecing it together today, exactly what these tarot cards are presenting to us, especially the major arcana. The major arcana is going to be different than the minor arcana. And we'll talk about the importance of the minor arcana. And that really came around in the 20th century. Um, And we'll talk about the individual that really helped illustrate um, the minor arcana. But this this major arcana these these 22 these 22 cards are going to you know depending on the interpretation some people make claims that these go all the way up back to Atlantis you know yes. this was in the temple of thoth right and so one thing we can definitely tell these symbols might have been in egyptian temples these might have been engravings right but they probably weren't cards. We don't know when these got transformed to cards, but paper stock is something we don't find much from the ancient past. And so um, the idea that these were playing cards that deep, that's up to debate. The idea that these were probably esoteric symbols that have been held in the occult for a very long time, that's a little bit more agreeable. And so you can kind of connect, because I bet your spiritual culture has a claim to fame for, for creating these tarot cards. And so does every other spiritual culture. It's important to understand this history of it, but just know that this is deeper information. Right. You know, and this is kind of illustrating something something greater. Um, in, this, in this, when we kind of think about this information too, remember this was spoken knowledge. A lot of this knowledge was never written down. And that's why the tarot speaks in symbols, because it goes beyond words. The only way that these can actually be truly represented is through symbols. So even if you have a book that comes with your tarot deck, even if you have a million tarot books, there's still more to that symbol than those books can ever put into pages. There's not enough paper in the world to really describe these symbols because symbols are unique, especially the tarot symbol. Not only is there so much there, but there's there's perceived opposites within the cards, you know? And so the cards can mean like drastically different things. And it's all up again. That's why that interpretation and that feeling aspect um, is so important. And so the history of the cards, you can kind of personally look into, we know that they very much affected Italian culture. This is what a merry-go-round is, you know, the young children set on the stallions, which is the court cards, Right, And then the parents sit in the golden chariots, and the grandparents sit in the golden chariots, mm-hmm. and it goes round and round in the music of life. And it's got that song playing. This is the aspect of the, um, the merry-go-round. Okay, And this is, this is imitating Italian parades that used to go by, and they would actually go in the progression of the fool in the beginning, right. and then go all the way to the world card. And you know, all of this stuff we're going to kind of bring up, but we see it in Italian culture, but we also see it in Egyptian culture. Yes. You know, in this aspect of even using this as divination, the idea being in the the Temple of Thoth, they would actually go in there with like sticks and reeds and throw the sticks up in the air. And then wherever the sticks and pointed was how they would do the divination. And that's how they would ask questions. And so this is a powerful force to use, but it's it's more self-study and self-unfoldment. Right. It's a deeper thing that's happening here. And and we don't want to be crutched by this tool. We want to understand this tool from an objective viewpoint, seeing how it's collected to all these other esoteric sciences, but also a subjective experience, right? Something that amplifies understanding for us. And that's what these cards do. They amplify an inner understanding of either something that we inner experience or something that we inner realize from an outer experience. Yeah. I love the way you're saying that because, you know, to carry around all the books that, you know, we hold in our hands, even in this moment is, is, you know, pretty much impossible. And the interpretation that we have for each reading for every author, whether it's, you know, from Manly P. Hall to, Rudolf Steiner to anybody that we bring up or anyone that we study is a little more complex, but to hold these decks, a deck of card like this in your hands, you're kind of carrying a very tangible source of information that allows you to have not only the symbols of this expression that is as, you know, Jung talks about in the collective unconscious, but you can also, you know, uh, as you evolve, as we all evolve, you can have various interpretations of a card you thought you had already figured out. And I think that's amazing. You know, I think it's amazing that it's like, it's not over yet, you know? And I, that's why I like your analogy about the chess player who's like, Hey, I'm just learning. It's I'm like, just learning. I'm like, yeah. I don't even, okay. You yeah. Know? So that's, that's, I thought that was great. You nailed it on that. So, but anyways, 
Absolutely, man. And that's what these tarot cards are. They are this infinite, infinite amount of energy. Okay. And so this is a topic that I've been trying to explain. And I don't really think I've done a great job when I talk about reharvesting information mm. and what these cards do. And every time you go back to this card, there's more harvested information. And so I'm going to do my best to kind of explain it because I've not been very happy with, as I've reflected on how I've spoken about this, but this aspect of like the esoteric and the occult being like wheat, right? And how it how it kind of grows and then we go and harvest it and we can kind of live off that fruit of that harvest. Well, as we're harvesting these occult symbolism and we're studying the fool and we're pulling out new insight, as we're cutting the wheat, pieces of that wheat are falling on that ground and they're replanting that ground. And so as we continue that spiritual path and we come back, there's new seeds of insight that have sprouted. Mm. And so we always have to go back and harvest esoteric occult principles, whether it's the hermetic laws, whether it's tarot, whether it's the mythological stories, whether it's just the Bible, you know, whether it is even just the topic I am. Right, All of these need to come back for re-harvesting because there's always more information and there's always more that we can kind of uncover. And so you're 100% right. This, this aspect of the tarot is, is so special um, for as a gift to even give somebody. And on that note, we should, we're going to drop a little esoteric knowledge here. And so there is, um, there's this idea that you can only be gifted your first tarot set. You'll see this in books and they'll talk about like, you need to be gifted your first tarot set, you know, and they, they give you intentions of pulling this in, but they really suggest that, that this happens. And now, if you are an individual who sees somebody on the spiritual path, this is a great gift for somebody, right? It's endless information. It's unlimited. It's not a book. It's not contained by the words. It goes beyond that. It's a symbol, but this is this is a test because you were given these cards when you took your first breath in this reality these cards are you you've already been given it's it's your divine birthright mm. this is the this is the path of you to self unfoldment so the universe already gave you your cards and that's the passcode you say no i've already been given it's the same thing of how like the gnostics approach the archons when the archons try to send you back to rebirth you say no i'm i've got christ consciousness like this isn't for me anymore. And so this is what this tarot understanding is, is this has already been gifted to you. This is divine understanding. This was given to you by the high priestess as you went through that birth canal. When you were going from darkness to light and you took your first breath here, you were given your first tarot cards because these are internal. And again, we want to get to that process where we don't have to look at these cards because they're so integrated into the self that we have the proper relationships to all these archetypes in these experiences, not only happening internally with us, but also externally in the in the external. So this idea that you need to be gifted your first first tarot card, um, you already received that gift. And so you can go out and buy your first tarot card. And that's like part of the thing because you can't wait for a savior. If you just sit and wait for somebody to give you this knowledge, how does that work out? You know, how's that going to pan out for you? And so taking this aspect, so understanding that that's a trick and everything's a cipher in the esoteric and the occult, mm. everything, okay? The aspect of breaking it, like anything that's a superstition, it's got a deeper meaning. And you, and you as the alchemist, you as the occultist need to see through this, right? right? This aspect of, oh, you break a mirror and it's bad luck. I've heard spiritual people really say this and it's telling you, what this pattern's telling you when you break this mirror is, hey, you have a destructive pattern right now. It's letting you know of something. But what the mirror symbolizes is breaking it, you have broken the ability for self-reflection. So you're going to have whatever year's bad luck from this because you have now lost the ability to self-reflect on yourself. Right. And so these events are synchronicities, like you said about the graveyard and you know the place in nature, how it pulls something out of you. So this experience is trying to alert you to a pattern that you need to change. Maybe we need to slow down. Maybe we need to self-reflect. But in that moment, we can change the pattern. There's no such thing as bad luck by breaking a physical object. It's the same idea as, oh, going under a ladder is seven years bad luck. 
No, it's not. What that's telling you is if you physically go into a ladder, it's not going to give you bad luck. What that's telling you is you missed an opportunity to climb to a new octave. Instead of climbing that ladder up to a new level, you decided just to walk under it and stay in the same cycle. So you're going to have seven years of bad luck because you didn't, you didn't grow from anything. So you're going to go run into the same patterns that you've been running into, and you're going to look back on it as bad luck. And that's why this is designed for. This is for the initiates. The keys to understanding are within you. And you have to kind of look back anytime you see superstition. And this is very important for my individuals that study Wicca. Because you look at these old Wiccan books and they tell you there's a lot of superstition. You have to get deeper. It's not as literal as you think it is. And it's, it's written in a code. And it's so the uninitiated don't understand what you're saying. But this was by birthright given to you. So you already claimed it. Does that make sense? It does. And so, you know, very important because I know a lot of people are like, oh, you have to be gifted your cards. And you're just like, baby, you already got them. (laughs) You know, I, uh, I, I really appreciate that interpretation because you're right. It is, it is said that it should be a gift. And, and, you know, for me, my first tarot, my first deck of cards was gifted by you. Hey, just now, right? So it's great. Um, Hey, actually, maybe this would be a good time to talk about the deck that I gave you. Um, which is the Rider Weight deck. And so this is... Um, well, there, are t- there are different versions of the tarot. So this is where we'll, we'll jump right into that. That's what I'm thinking and why that's so important. And so what this is really going to do is kind of set up a parameter of the, the key resource that we're going to use for these remaining episodes on the tarot, on this journey of the fool to the world, right? I can't wait. And it's going to be really beautiful. And we are going to use the Rider Weight deck. Um, we're going to examine this for why we'll talk about why we're going to utilize this. Um, and and this, even if you don't have the Rider Weight deck, you're going to 90% of all tarot card decks are based off of the Rider Weight deck. And, you know, right off the bat, because if there's any kind of confusion, tarot decks and oracle cards are two different things. Tarot decks are tarot, oracle cards are not tarot decks. And I'm not talking bad about oracle cards, but tarot decks follow a formula. There's 78 cards, there's four suits, uh, and it has the minor arcana. And now there's going to be different very artistic variations within those, um, but they follow a formula. With the oracle cards, this is going to go be based more on like a specific mythology. Mm. So you can have like totem animal cards, you could have Nordic cards, it could be based on, there's some really beautiful feminine cards in this aspect, um, but they're a little different. So they're not going to follow this formula. I'm not saying that they can't provide insight and they can't be used for self-study, but you're not going to want to try to compare your oracle cards to what we're comparing here. Um, and so tarot cards are different. I think they're both really great mediums of understanding, but the oracle is going to be a little bit more subjective, even if it's very universal, um, even like the formula and the outline of it is kind of more subjective where this, this tarot is going to kind of find this, this form. And so there's, there's so many people producing tarot decks today and 90% of them are going to be based of off of this a e this this weight um this rider weight deck and right. um there's a couple reasons for that is is ae weight is going to be this initiate of the golden dawn and in 1906 is going to try to revitalize these cards to their utmost importance. And so from the 1500s in Italy up to the present day, the tarot kind of was losing its esoteric significance because of subjective interpretation. And so what this does is it really tries to pull the objective essences that was coming out of this cards. And so there's kind of this unifying aspect of like taking these cards um, and making them like a home name. And that's in 1906, tarot cards are going to kind of explode with A.E. A. Waits production. Um, and so what's going to be unique about this, this deck is not only did he bring out the esoteric, more objective principles of the major arcana, but he's going to have an individual illustrate the minor arcana for the first time. And that's actually, we have never dedicated an episode to anybody on the Know Thyself podcast other than our beautiful, wonderful listeners, and that every episode is dedicated to you. But tonight, this episode, 
in every episode that we do on the tarot, and really any episode we do on the Know Thyself podcast, goes out to Pamela Smith. Yeah, Coleman Smith. Pixie. Yeah. She went by the name Pixie. And this individual, although passed away penniless, had the one of the biggest esoteric significance on consciousness than we could argue a lot of other individuals. She illustrates the minor arcana. And this is one of the first times we really see it in this deep, deep aspect. And so the major arcana is told that A.E. Waite very much guided her on this because he was he was a master. He was an initiate of the Golden Dawn. And the Golden Dawn is going to be a really important organization because the other big individual that's going to create a tarot deck that's going to be um, kind of as deep in symbolism as this is going to be Crowley. And he was an individual of the Golden Dawn. And so A.E. Waite had very definite explanations about the major arcana. And he really wanted to bring out the esoteric significance. But for the minor arcana, he just kind of told Pixie the the aspects of it. And the minor arcana up to this point was kind of like a read and deliver thing. It was more of like a memorization that the gypsies were using. We weren't connected to the deep aspects of it anymore. And that's kind of what tarot is. We're re-remembering how to really truly read this. And Pixie is going to do something as as huge to consciousness, as I would say, as like the translations of the Emerald Tablet. She's going to put further visualizations to these cards. And so with this A.E. Weight deck, she really takes this aspect of this minor arcana and, and does a beautiful way of expressing it. And so now all of the cards have this deep significance. And yeah, there's there's some stuff that she did that pulls stuff out of minor arcana now that is so deep to the collective that it was information we forgot about. And she pulled it up to the front and she put it through these beautiful illustrations. And there's so much symbolism in it. And even to this day, like the minor arcana edition of this, this writer weight, and we should really call it the weight Smith because writer is just the publishing company. Right. Right. And so this weight Smith is, is really what we should kind of call this deck. And we really have to give just the most honor. And, you know, even though Pixie, Pixie's a great individual who shows it's not about this physical money because when she passed, even though she passed penniless, the effect that she had on the evolution of consciousness she was welcomed into those halls of wisdom with open arms. And we cannot be indebted enough to this individual. And so, Pex, Pixie, we know you're up there. We love you. And we thank you so much for the guidance and the beauty that you were able to illustrate in these archetypes. I mean, like, look at the Five of Swords. Look at the Five of Cups. Like, there's so much there that goes beyond what we even know. And she really just took us to the next level. Um, and so... This one's for Pixie. There you go, man. Right? <clears throat> well, I do like how in and uh, um to cite um the seventy eight degrees of wisdom, I do like how they they mention Arthur Edward as saying, you know, this is the rectified terror. You know, mm-hmm. like <clears throat> I do appreciate that. Um, you know, they they kind of give you an understanding of you know basically what weights, um, you know background in mystic and occultist and 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 basically esoteric practices had an influence on the true meaning of these symbols and how she kind of brought in those images like you're saying to the forefront it's just mm-hmm. like unbelievable because that's what we're looking at now you know right so yeah and i'm e- so glad that you're covering that within this this history right and it does it makes up about 90 percent of the tarot decks and so the ae weight um you know like even his book um, when A.E. Wright writes his book, like even his explanation of the minor arcana isn't as deep as her illustrations go. Like you read his minor arcana, his, his major arcana is really breakthrough and his minor right. arcana stuff is good, but you pull more from the minor arcana by the illustrations and the feelings. And so because the minor arcana is more of like the personal, the major arcana is more of the universal. So the the minor arcana is more of the micro, the trumps, are more of the universal, the macro. And so we have a personal experience. We can see what it's like crying over spilt milk. We know what it's like when we're connected with family. Like these cards pull stuff out of us that are that are deeper. And so again, we have so much to thank for her for that. And, and so again, most decks are going to be kind of somehow based off of 
this this AE weight. Um, but this should be a good time to kind of talk about other sources when it comes to the tarot. And so we're going to have AE weight. And then the next one is going to be Crowley. Um, he's going to make his own um, deck and he calls it the Thoth, the Thoth deck. Um, and, you know, I was um, recently came across um, Damien Eccles' work and he really claims that Thoth should be pronounced the hot. Um, that sounds cooler. Like, I like it. It feels like we spoke about this. I feel like it feels more commission. It feels more like how they probably would have said it in Egypt. Um, and so be on the lookout for that. You either hear Thoth, Thoth, or the hot. And I, just so you understand what people are referencing there. Um, but he did, he did this, the hot desk. Yeah. The, the, this, the hot deck. I like this word. So I'm just going to keep using it. Um, and this deck is full of symbolism. It's jam packed. Um, some people really love studying this as a base. Some people don't. And that's kind of how Crowley works. And with Crowley, we, I know we've spoken about this because some people really resonate with Crowley and some people cannot, cannot connect with Crowley. When you're approaching any kind of Crowley, because we've talked about it, it's more as like, do as he says, not as he does. Um, when you're approaching Crowley, Kind of think about the game, the Super Mario game, Mario Brothers, like Mario and Luigi. And as you're approaching Crowley, just kind of in that voice, be like, it's a Crowley. Because that's what how you need to approach it. Because he is the opposites. He, will pre- he presents to you duality in front of your face and he shakes it out of you. So these cards are a great, this Thoth deck is also a great deck to study. And and again, there's going to be decks based off of this. And so I love A.E. Waits, his his work and all the other work that's going to go into this this um, this Waits Smith deck. And then we have this the Hot or the Stoth deck by Alistair Crowley. Um, right. And then other individuals that are always so important for this, just because we we do want to start sharing more resources on it. Obviously, like Manly P. Hall, who you spoke about, who has his own deck from the PRS. Um, but the the Brotherhood of Light and the the textbook, the sixth lesson, which is called the Sacred Tarot, is a must for I think all esoteric occult students. It's it's going to give us more of this Egyptian perspective, um, a little less of this medieval refinement that A. E. Waite's going to use in this European one, and this one's going to give us a little bit more of this Egyptian perspective, mm. very rich in symbolism, and what's so unique about the sacred tarot at the the brotherhood of light is um just at light.org if you're looking for the website um it gives you all the correspondences it gives you the hebrew it gives you the biblical passages it gives you the step of alchemy it's it's this all-encompassing textbook that really is like this this reference books for these unique correspondences. Um, and then also the the last book i really want to kind of recommend is going to be the the 78 degrees of wisdom. Yeah. And this was great. also, this was brought to my um, attention from Damien Eccles as well. Um, and this is another, a really deep pack um, book on this. And he spoke about this as well. There's, because tarot is such this, this popular topic, unfortunately, there has been some stagnation in this understanding. And people are really just kind of almost rewriting these books and not taking this personal connection with it to let unconsciousness maybe amplify even more deeper meanings that these cards offer, you know, cause like no offense, but most there's, there's so many beginner tarot books out there at this point. We don't, and no, no offense to anybody who's written one because I love it and I'm going to probably read it and pick up some insight on it, but we need to get deeper. We, for consciousness, we need to go deeper for this pearl that we're looking for that's that's kind of contained within these cards no I, I i completely agree i mean you know you know most people as as they say you know i think they even mentioned this in the 70 degrees of wisdom but they talk about something very important here that you know kind of brings it back to where we're going with all this because as you can tell daniel is on fire because uh, we can just you know we can really take off with these understandings of, of how they've either been interpreted and then left for us to sort of decipher on what to pick and cherry pick out of, of this information. But, you know, most people, if you just approach them and said, what do you know of the tarot? They're looking at the idea of fortune telling or back to divination. And I think we should, we should continue on with that conversation on how that, um, how that applies to 
us as a society, because one of the things that I think is great is when you talk about, when we all talk about the understanding of any of these esoteric um, philosophies or the deeper meanings that kind of need to come to the surface from a deeper place from within, normally are easier to access with deprivation, some kind of no um, distraction, some kind of maybe even like tragedy that occurs in the life and feels that has sucked out um, some kind of understanding of the base of your life and you need to kind of gain that back. And and of course, you know that just based on the fact that, you know, um, even people who turn to their, their energy towards, you know, uh, uh, modern time uh, faith, you know, they kind of like, they'll, they'll, they'll take a dive into the Bible and they'll kind of take passages from the Bible and say, oh, okay, like this resonates with me, but it only resonates with you if you not only allow it to, but if you can access this part that we sort of close out most of the time that only opens in these very particular moments of your life. And back to to make a full circle here with the, with the this this ta- the understanding of the tarot that's what it, i th- i find fascinating when you talk about you know um the individuals who have interpreted these symbols because in the time you know i know the renaissance period had a lot to um distract individuals with as far as you know this joyful and and sort of uh, artistic expression that everyone was wanting to uh embark on but I think that's why it was introduced in that time is because if you only understood what was actually going on and only wanted to seek it, you would have this amazing interpretation of these symbols, or you can just use it to gamble and play games with. Right. And we're kind of back in that era again, since we always talk about how we're in this new renaissance. I feel like that's kind of where we're at right now, where people are like, oh, the only thing that's different, though, is there's so many interpretations of what the tarot is now that I think it's back to being an occult understanding even more than it was before because what are you going to cherry pick and what are you going to like sift through to understand what this really means you know what i'm saying right um but yeah no and this is a good point man and this is something that we need and i'm glad that you brought this up right now because just like all subjects there's an exoteric and there's an esoteric and you know what this is a great point for even occult sciences there's an exoteric astrology and there's an esoteric astrology exoteric is this fatalistic you know people just going by their sun sign and the same thing with tarot right you know it's just like oh i have them in my house because i think they're pretty and stuff like that but there's this esoteric understanding and you know we spoke about with this with numbers but we always i speak about this with the tarot too but you know as you start paying attention to the tarot the tarot starts paying attention to you and it's this unfolding process and so when we start looking at these cards we really take a step towards that universal life force right that lowest common denominator the most high and as we step towards that force we feel an ultimate feedback that comes back instantaneously which is this insight this this pattern recognition that these cards allow for us to see, you know, and we see this, this aspect of divination. And, you know, one of the things too, is that these cards contain opposites and we're going to kind of talk about what this is when we, especially when we get to like the hanged man card, Mm. but these cops, these cards do contain opposites and symbols do right? Symbols can contain opposites because they're beyond words. And so when we think about like the Sphinx, like it's, it's, it's an opposite within itself, but it's a symbol. And that's the only way we can really understand it, you know, different than like a sign where a sign is just like, you see the red and blue going down a pole. You're like, that's a barber shop. Right. A sign is something that we can relate to a concrete idea. A symbol kind of goes beyond that. Right. And so within these symbols, we also have this, this parameter of opposites that are contained within. And so, you know, what the tarot also makes us do, just like the, just like the, when we were talking about the the labors of Hercules, which we're going to continue next week, and how you go counterclockwise on the wheel and you right. really feel, face the headwinds of experience to reflect on them. The tarot card also makes you have the ability to look at self and life upside down. 
you know, from a new perspective. And this is why if you've ever spent time with like a guru or an East, an individual that studies Eastern mysticism, there's usually a process in your unfoldment where they ask you to do everything backwards for a day. You know, walk to your bathroom backwards. Okay. You know, do your whole routine backwards and you want to live like this. And this isn't just a joke. Like they're not playing a game on you because people can get upset. And that's like what makes them maybe jump off. Like, oh, he was just messing with me. And he was like making me walk backwards, making me look like a fool. No. You're supposed to see life from this aspect. This is that that second sight we were talking about. And you can gain this through these tarots, this, this second awareness, this higher awareness. And so not only do we understand the forms, but we can see their shadows. And right. the shadows play is just as big of an effect. And this ability to, to live upside down and see the world from this, this kind of Alice in Wonderland perspective creates this this joyous, jovial Jupiter kind of feel. You know, why do you think monkeys are so damn happy? Because they hang it around upside down most of the day. You know, they see this new perspective. Like, think about Rafiki on The Lion King. He had the deepest information. He knew what, what was facing Simba, and he was still so positive, and he was still this, like, beaming aspect of force. And that's what happens when we kind of see life from this upside-down perspective, and we see it from this new lens. We start to get these new insights because these this reflection of life, which is this tarot card that's projecting in front of us, is illuminating and amplifying these aspects of ourselves that need further incorporation, whether it's our relationship to that archetype or it's the reorientation of that archetype. But that's what we're going to be kind of looking at. But this aspect of being able to see the world from upside down. And we'll talk about this with the hanged man card and how it kind of plays a role. But just understanding the endless symbolism that is contained in these cards, you know? And so, you know, I love that we brought up this aspect of divination um, and how that these cards can be. And that's that's exactly what these are going to allude to. It's going to allude to patterns and cycles and how patterns and cycles kind of play out into our lives. And and this is why the cards actually have this divination aspect to them. And this was actually, um, you know, this actually kind of, this this was almost a byproduct of the divination. We might've been utilizing it obviously in divination in the ancient past with like the reeds, they're going into the temple and throwing them on the crowns. Mm -hmm. But when it was in like Renaissance Europe, they started noticing that how people played the game was kind of in connection to how they were doing in life. And they were actually better at the game when they were doing well in life. And the game was challenging when they weren't. And so people would play the game when they had good luck and they're like, and that's why they would go gamble on that game. Um, but it was trying to unfold something more. It was trying to amplify a deeper essence of this person, right? right? And we we have to understand that these lessons are always being projected into the external. Everything that needs reorientation within you is being projected into the external, and it needs to be met, faced, reflected, and then reorientated for transmutation. Well said, man. I could just end the podcast right there. You you made the mic drop in the very beginning, <laughs> my man. No, you know, uh, you know, some of the things you're saying that resonates a lot. I, I want to quote from the Secret Teaching of All Ages, Manly P. Hall. I like how he says the tarot card, um, and I quote, uh, must be considered as separate and complete hieroglyphs, each representing a distinct principle, law, power, or element in nature. And then two, in relation to each other as the effect of one agent operating upon another and three as vowels and consonants of the philo- of the philosophical alphabet and i just i really I, I, the reason i like that and he goes on more with that and i'll end the quote there but you know one of the things we were talking about within the history is you know this understanding of 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 occult sciences but like how everybody has their their own interpretation of what this is within the occult and i think that what you're saying about how it's re-ingested and then transmuted uh, for the individual is the key right there i think that's like something that we should we should look at it from that lens and have those those um perspectives on it rather than getting fixated on well you know, this is what they say, and this is what I've heard that because you'll go on and on. I mean, there's we haven't even touched about you know the numbers on the card with the Pythagorean theory. We haven't talked about you know how it's this magical uh, constitution of man. 
uh, you know, I like that, you know, eventually we'll get into the whole idea of Sir Francis Bacon, um, you know, the Rosicrucians, and then even the understanding of, um, you know, the big book of Enoch. But the reason I say all those things isn't so, you know, we can keep opening these doors. It's just like, we consider all of them. And that's what we do even throughout this whole podcast is that it's a representation of how you, the, the listener or the student of the occult has the ability to take this information, whether it's from one to another, and actually apply it for that that understanding of the self unfoldment, you know. And even back to Carl Jung, I mean, for someone who might be fixated on just like understanding the the anima and the animus, and the anima being the female and the animus being the male, but we both have it, you know, uh, a bit of each in us, you know, it can, it can definitely. Uh, uh, you know, awaken something in individuals that then takes them down this path of like Carl Jung, because he never really jumps in fully into the tarot, but he alludes to it. And that's just one of many, many, many things that, you know, you can cover throughout this, this wonderful understanding of these symbols. You just, you know what I'm saying? I just think it's an interesting uh, approach to such a broad, but specific. So it's kind of like a, I wouldn't call it an oxymoron, but it's kind of this, it's, it's sort of tricky to sort of, ah, confined to just this one corner and say like, this is the, this is the way, or this is, and that's what I love about any of the occult sciences that we talk about is that it's how it's interpreted and how it's felt and how it's then reintroduced as an application to how you go off about life, you know? Right. Absolutely, man. And you nailed it right now. It's the incorporation of these principles. If they just stay in the thought verse and they just stay of an idea, that's exactly what it's going to be. It's just going to stay as this idea. And so we do need to distill this information down and then instill it into our lives and understand right. how this is. These archetypes are screaming for our attention. And again, we, we do want to get to that point where we incorporate these cards and we don't have to utilize right. utilize them as much. But those, but it is, you know, we talk about this major arcana and this minor arcana. And arcana truly just breaks down to secrets. And so these are the major secrets and the minor secrets. The major secrets are the universal natural law principles that we're going to see from zero to 22. And the minor are going to be a little bit more personal to us. And again, this is something that Pamela Smith was able to develop and make happen um, and kind of illustrate those so we can take them in for a better understanding, especially as we've become this more individualized consciousness, as we were moving from that age of Pisces into this age of Aquarius, this is going to be very important for our own self-understanding because in this network of the age of Aquarius, this network is only going to be strengthened by self-reliant, self-expressed and individualized individuals. And that's what creates a community. It's always the the sovereign individual by standing by themselves in a network of other sovereign individuals, which is the true community that Aquarius is looking for. Um, and it's, it's, it's very much can be uncovered through this, through this path, you know? And so, um, yeah, just this very interesting, interesting aspect of everything that's going to be touched and uncovered in, in this esoteric, esoteric discussion, you know, like you said about the numbers and, you know, there was, Again, this tarot is kind of exciting because it's this evolving thought. Just like alchemy and Gnosticism, we have people making breakthroughs here. Like there was a huge breakthrough when the tarot card stopped labeling the fool as one and made it the zero and it gained its esoteric perspective. And we're going to kind of talk about this because we're going to kind of talk about it as the journey of the hero, but we're also going to talk about other ways to utilize these cards for... um for even further self-understanding. And there's different kinds of formulas we could, we could, there's different kinds of um, positions we can put them in to kind of gain these deeper understandings. But these tarot cards are very much a Western mandala. You've seen Eastern mandalas. We do have Western mandalas and they're going to be in classical art and contained in, in esoteric literature like this, like the tarot, um, the tarot decks. And they can be used for the same thing as a mandala for meditation, contemplation. Okay. Um, and so with your tarot deck, there is some, there's some kind of interesting aspects. You if if you are if you are interested in doing like divination reading, um, and doing readings for other people, 
you do want to kind of set a deck for that. And you almost want to set the attention of that deck for reading. And you almost want to have a deck for self-study that you just use for self-study. Um, and this is like a personal deck for you, but other energy isn't on it. Like your reading deck, because you have them touch your cards, that energy, you don't really want people to touch like your your self-study deck as much. Right. Because energy, it's just like when somebody has like, if somebody has a crystal or if somebody has a book, like it's it's polite esoterically to ask if it's okay for you to touch it because you have energy that's going to kind of put onto that and and people are very happy when you ask them like if you're if you see a beautiful crystal necklace you don't want to just kind of go up and grab it obviously and be like this is amazing you know you ask for permission for right. that right but because this energy is kind of carried and, and we know this there's certain people that are more sensitive to this and there's there's others but you want to kind of one for reading that people handle and they kind of touch um your one for self study doesn't have to be but if you are looking to do like magical work with these tarot cards and um, there's actually a really good angel deck that's finally come out that was brought up on um, a video I saw and I actually purchased it and it's really nice. But like your magical deck, just like your magical tools, if you guys are ceremonial magicians, you don't want other energy. This should only be charged by you um, and you want to kind of recharge it and kind of have that kind of connection. And so just remember that, you know, tarot decks, you you can kind of have multiples for different kind of applications. Um, but yours, you know, there should be one that's truly special and truly speaks to to you. And go go to a magic store. There's one, there's a cool magic store in your city. I'm just gambling here, but I bet it is. And I bet the people that work there are pretty badass. And so go see them. They're going to have a sweet little tarot set. They're going to tell you what they like and hold the decks. Like if you haven't got a deck for yourself, remember, you don't have to have somebody buy this. You can purchase this for yourself, but hold the deck. See if it connects with you. You know, pick up a Rider Waite Smith deck so you can use it maybe for the self-study. But when it comes to like, what one do I want to utilize for my own self-unfoldment? Get that connection. Treat it like an art gallery. Because if you're aesthetically pulled in, you're going to be able to put more attention and awareness to this. And where attention goes, energy flows. And so this is going to help kind of manifest pulling these archetypes in our life. Um, but one thing, when you pull these archetypes in your life, and these archetypes can be represented by angels, and people work with angels as this astrological correspondence, it's not going to get easier at first, though. Do know when you start working with this information, you call these archetypes in, they do have to heal you. Um, and there's this, this, this really big process. It's like, it was explained to me as like pulling back a bow and arrow. And as you keep pulling it back, right, it gets harder and harder and harder. And so, and then you release it. But the more tension you were able to do, even though it got harder and harder and harder, the more distance that arrow covered and you were able to hit your target straight bullseye, right? And so that's what this is talking about. So sometimes before it gets better, when we start working with this aspect, if we are approaching ceremonial magic, which you need to do from responsible white magician way, understand that it gets harder before it's easier because you're pulling back that bow and arrow right. even a little bit farther for more <clears throat> distance coverage and bullseyeing. I've turned that into a verb. <laughs> bullseyeing. <laughs> Oh, that's funny, man. Um, well, that's that's a, that's that's a great way of putting it, man. And and I've always leaned on to that analogy of you know the harder you pull, the more it hurts. But you know the more you are up to um, to taking aim. And so I think that's that's a great way of of putting that. So so yeah, I mean you know if there's anything else you want to add to to the episode. Um, you know, I know there's a, there's, there's a lot that we cover today and I want to keep going, but I think one of the things that we should keep in mind is, you know, as we do, um, unfold the understanding of each, uh, symbol and what, what each card represents, we'll probably re reference back to this first episode and then same thing for the listener, you know, we'll, we'll label this episode as such with, a. uh, a way of you kind of going through and seeing like how, you know, what lens we're looking at this through and, uh, and yeah, man, um, is there anything else you want to add? Yeah, no, man. I think we did a great job of kind of just introducing it, putting it in the consciousness, putting it in the awareness, giving some individuals times to connect, maybe to get their own tarot deck. Um, and also if you are not in the position to be able to get a tarot deck, there's apps with these. 
You can find all of these tarots online. Mm -hmm. There's actually a website, I want to say it's tarot.com, that you can come to it and say you find like the Two of Cups, and then it gives you a scroll down menu, and you can see all the different Two of Cups, and you can kind of explore. And so that might be a good way to kind of investigate what art kind of resonates with you. But um, but no, I can't, if, if there's anything I want to stress the most with this, with this aspect of how important this tarot is, it's so important, but this process of creating, connecting to Christ consciousness, it truly is what you call the empty hand approach. We don't need any of these tools. You know, you can do this with anything. If you didn't have a tarot deck, you still could understand and overcome and triumph the fool's card to becoming the world. Um, it's like that aspect, like even if you had like a broken copy of The Wizard of Oz, right? And it was like a VHS and you just have the film and you're holding it to light in a jail cell. You can come to enlightenment just by seeing those little screens and like squinting your eyes and watching the scenes come by. You can understand this process of the full fool and how you can create Christ consciousness. And even if you didn't have that tape, you could do this. You can do this with anything. Now, these tools are a great gift that was given to us and we should be very happy about these spiritual gifts um, that kind of come our way. Um, and so we should really be kind of grateful and utilize these tools and really self-incorporate them in ourselves. And, you know, one thing that I, I just realized, I don't think I mentioned, and I know we were kind of just doing the signing off, but that aspect of is, is tarot connected to these other esoteric occult sciences? And it's my honest opinion, even though I think you should isolate them and learn them in their isolated way, it is my isolated opinion, it is my independent opinion that they are connected to the Hebrew alphabet, to astrology, and to all these other networks mm-hmm. for the reason that this was spoken knowledge. This wasn't written down. And so to contain all this spoken knowledge, you have to understand that the uni- the ancients understood holistically. They understood the meaning of things. And so everything fit into the holistic understanding of higher underst- like higher wisdom. And so it was all part of the same network. The Druids, you know, they would teach about these separate kind of processes, but they're all unified right. as a cult, esoteric knowledge. And that's the only way to be able to really, you know, confer this information is if it was in some sort of universal higher package that again can be isolated and looked at itself but it has to fit in with all the other esoteric sciences and so you're going to read it you know some people are like no just read this in isolation and some people say you really need to utilize these other things i really choose the middle path on it but if you were going to like ask my honest opinion it it would make more sense you know with with ancient understandings and how this information wasn't written down it would make some more sense if it was a unified body of knowledge, which right. contained all the esoteric occult sciences. I think that's great, man. I think that's great. And actually that, that, that's still, you know, um, that still resonates with what we talked about with, um, with Greek mythology. We kind of said the same thing, you know? Right. So we'll, we'll keep our, we'll keep our, our perspective, um, in check by understanding that it all coincides and it all has its deeper meaning from a higher perspective, um, and how it's interpreted, you know, and how it's understood is part of the journey in itself, you know, right. and, and I'm excited to, to continue this because we're going to do this with, uh, you know, next week we'll be doing, um, the continuation of the, um, the journey that we started with Hercules and then we'll move right back into, this this tarot um you know uh understanding uh one you know i don't know if we're gonna do it like bi-weekly like we did with the bi- the biblical studies that we've done before but it's 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 so important to to have that um that opinion shared the way you just did because i think that's where we're, we're coming from absolutely man it's going to be very interesting doing the story of the bastard and the story of the fool coinciding and one of the tarot decks that you were gifted today is the story of the bastard and it's really this coming together of both of those um because it's the deck of the bastard which is also kind of this great deck to kind of look at but it's going to be very cool to see how these these two stories come together we're going to see similarities and we're going to just see how important both of these the aspects from traveling the zodiac to travel in the fool's journey is so vital to the unfoldment discovery of the self right oh, i love it man I love it so much. You know, it's something I, I've I've been wanting to even say on the podcast is that 
throughout the week, so much occurs in all of our lives, and I'm not sure what each individual is going through, um, you know, in their own time right now, um, and whatever age, you know, that they're in and whatever path that they're on. But when we come here and we have these discussions and we have these um, these conversations, you know, between Daniel and I, it's so refreshing because everything else that's presented to us is so um, it's so much noise. And when you have an understanding of what this actually is, the vibration you put out um, based on on this understanding will definitely aid in all the other vibration that's coming your way. That's unfortunately just shaking you to a point where you know, nothing necessarily, not necessarily makes sense, but has chaos occurring uh, 24-7. And so I just want to thank you uh, as a friend that when we come together on these conversations, uh, whatever vibrates from this to the listeners is uh, super helpful. I love it, man. No, and thank you so much. And you know that it's the greatest honor in the world to travel here once a week to see you, to have these conversations. Oh, thanks, man. You know, and um, even before and after we hit record, you know, it's 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 literally the, the most special aspect of my week because, you know, it's not only us connecting here, but we're connecting to all like-minded individuals right. who are having these conversations. And again, this, this podcast is meant to be a jumping board. This is a springboard. So we cover the basics. And then when you're in your connections, because we have limited times with our spiritual friends, you can jump into the deep stuff. You can right. jump right into that deep end off the diving board because because you both have a common language kind of coming into. And so again, we are just so honored for the support, the listeners, um, the reviews have been amazing. Thank you so much for everybody who's left reviews. Um, big shout out, obviously, to our patron members. And just a little bit of announcement. There's a video series on there where we're we're breaking down the esoteric structure of the alphabet. So if you haven't been on the patron very recently, there's a couple videos up on that. And then there's a video of me and Mercury Retrograde where oh, I just so lose good. my mind and it's like <laughs> bananas. Um, but you know what? That's taught me a lot about my ninth house Pisces and how that kind of operates with me. And so you can actually see a live unfoldment of Mercury Retrograde, um, the breakdown of the esoteric structure of the alphabet, you know, the breakdown of the Winnie the Pooh movie, all the way to the shenanigans that I got into after your wonderful wedding night all on the patron account. So thank you so much for yes. the all the patronage. And thank you for anybody who was a patron that didn't cancel after my Mercury retrograde, because that was a ramble. <laughs> I, I so we thank was, you. Yeah, I thought it was great. And, and yes, thank you to all our patron members. You know, we try to reach back or we try to connect with all of you who have great questions. You know, Daniel and I, um, you know, we're sorting out every single day or every single week what we what we can say and what we would like to say to our fans you know um sometimes you'll find me being the one that replies to a lot of it sometimes you'll find daniel that replies to it but you know we're always very thankful for your um your your need to not only reach out but also to ask very important questions that we might have not even thought of uh, just based on the studies that we're doing right now so you know we grow more because of you and we're always open to uh, any suggestions and even you know people who who ask us you know um how do you cite your information what are you citing in your information you know the you know for those who are um you know curious about that you know we talk about it incessantly we say it on the podcast pay attention to what we say because we bring up the same authors the same individuals and it's going to continue on being this way because that's the whole idea of the understanding of, of these occult sciences or of these principles that we bring up is that there is no definite way for me uh, as an individual to express what I understand. But as I kind of study more, I kind of realize I know nothing. And for that, I only want to know everything. And so that's what you're really getting on this podcast. And, and I think that uh, all of the individuals out there kind of are starting to understand that um, and, and really um, pick up what we're putting down uh, more often than, than not. So thank you uh, for your patience. Thank you for your love. And thank you for uh, all your understanding from where we're coming from. Um, anything else, man? Oh, lots of love, truth, train, truth, truth. Um, I can't think of any other fun words that awesome. I uh, can think of at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next time then. Until next time. <laughs>